and welcome to this week's episode of Bitch Work Podcast. I'm so excited for this week's guest, Christy Vetter. Yay! <laughs> Christy, I love you. Christy, like, now Aww. lives in my neighborhood in Brooklyn, and honestly, I've watched your videos for so long, so it just makes me so happy that we're friends and that you're here yeah. and that we're recording this podcast. I know. I walked here, and I was like, wow, I could have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> we so live close. so close. It's, like, mm-hmm. so amazing. And we have been watching each other, I feel like, since probably high school college no i definitely been watching you since since high school like sure. i remember when you were going dg dg or die you i remember when you were going videos i've loved <laughs> i remember going you going to semester at sea and me oh, being yeah. like oh my god i'm so jealous it looks <laughs> so fun it was a great time but like you know now we're here to talk about something beyond college even Crazy. more fun careers who would have known we would have been here <laughs> I really never thought either one of us would make yeah. it. Who, who would have thought? So proud. But yes, we are here. We are talking. Ask me any question. I'm ready for you. I'm so excited because, well, first, how about you tell our listeners, your listeners, my listeners, maybe people who don't know you, what exactly it is that you do right now in your current career. You just moved to New York from D.C. and mm-hmm. let's just get like a little brief explanation of who you are and what okay. you do. Great. Yes. My name is Christy. I'm currently at UNICEF. I'm doing advocacy for education there, but it's only a temporary position. I'm only there till the end of December. And I honestly don't feel qualified at all. Like when Jordan first texted me, she's like, yeah, I want you to be on my podcast, like giving career advice. I was like, who's going to give it to me? (laughs) But I'm really excited to just like talk about my journey and kind of my uh, thoughts on the whole thing, because that kind of brought me back when I first initially, my knee jerk reaction was like, I'm not qualified for this. I have the worst imposter syndrome ever. And that's kind of like followed me throughout all of my education and, you know, looking into what I want to do. And so I think it's so important to challenge yourself with things that you're not qualified for because that's what's going to get you better at it. And also you are qualified for this. Literally (laughs) anyone is qualified for this podcast. The beauty of the podcast (laughs) is that we talk to people who are still on their journey and still figuring out what they're doing because that's what's relatable to the listeners and people who are actually trying to figure out what they're they're going to do as well. Like, it's super interesting to hear from someone who's at the top of their game, but it's also just as beneficial to hear from someone who mm-hmm. is still figuring it out. Yeah, and we're all on this journey of being, you know, early 20s, basically, and no one has it figured out. We're all just faking it anyway. Exactly. So. No, <laughs> That's like, what I'm going to talk about. How I to fake, fake it till you make it. <laughs> I fake it every single day of my yeah. life. Like, the other day I was at... On the side, I do, like, movie screenings. Like, I'll check people in for movie screenings. It's, like, just, like, a side gig after work or, like, on the weekends or something. And I was working with a bunch of these PR girls, and I was like, whoa, everyone's just faking it till we make it. Like, everyone's just figuring out, flying by the seat of their pants, and, like... That's how you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's just kind of figuring it out and, like, hoping that it works out. Totally. And that I have an experience with that, too. Just, I've been at UNICEF for three weeks now, and um, there was a girl who works in my little cubicle pod who, she was, I met her the first day, and then she went on a trip for a while, and she just came back, and she was asking me, she's like, how's it going, you know? And I was like, oh, you know, it's been almost three weeks, like you know, when you do something for three weeks, you can do it forever, right? And she's like, well, I've been here for a few months and I'm still trying to wait for that feeling to kick in. So yeah. Well, that must have made you feel good. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, so there I'm doing mostly social media, like advocacy for, I work on a lot of Twitter content and they brought me on mostly because education specifically, UNICEF is kind of launching this new strategy which focuses rather than having kids get access to school, which has been largely the whole narrative around education for children. Um, But there's a lot of children now who might be in school, but 58% of them aren't passing reading and math tests and they're not getting actual quality education. So they're shifting their focus 
to making sure children actually learn and are getting the education that will benefit them in the long run rather than like a superficial like oh look we're schooling them and it's not actually doing anything yeah so that's been a big push for them recently so um they brought me on for a temporary thing till the end of december and yeah i've been there for a few weeks now and it's fun it's definitely different because it's not really it kind of aligns with what i studied and it kind of I mean, I do social media on the side. I've, like right. Jordan said, I've been doing YouTube since I was in high school and I have a lot of social media experience just building my own brand. So it kind of brings that into it. And I think that's a big reason why they wanted me right. to be there because I have the experience with like Twitter analytics and things like that. Um, but it also does tie in a little bit of, you know, education, development in what I studied in school, which I went to grad school for international peace and conflict resolution. So in the future, I do want to do something a little more conflict related, um, which we can get into more. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's definitely cool for me right now to be somewhere, even if it's just temporary, but UNICEF is, you know, a UN organization that's a great tool just to get my foot in the door, not even in the sense of like getting another job there, but in the sense of just seeing what it's like and seeing the inner operations of an international organization that I've never worked in. And um, yeah, it's just a different environment and a different totally. place to learn from. Yeah. That, I never, I mean, I always, like, when I was younger, um, in undergrad, I always thought, like, oh, the dream is to work for the UN, and then that dream kind of, like, went away, and I explored other avenues, and now I'm back to it, which is funny, right. because that wasn't really the plan, yeah. even a few months ago, <laughs> but here we are, yeah. Yeah, I think part of the thing about being successful and learning and, like, expanding your career is going with the flow, and, like, figuring, yeah. and, like, just taking opportunities as they come, never feeling too, like, restrictive of yourself, exactly. and, like, really just... Like we said, faking it till you make mm-hmm. it, like flying by the seat of your pants. And so many people I find are so focused on getting from point A to point B. And they think they know that point B is exactly where they want to be, that they get this tunnel vision where they don't take the opportunity at point 1A or right. like opportunity connection C of this great person they could have met. And then they're really missing out on great detours that could have brought them somewhere amazing that they kind of neglected because they thought they knew what they wanted when in reality like you never know until you try things like I would take any opportunity just to see if I don't like it you know exactly exactly which is I think one of the beauty of internships and what we Mm -hmm. talk about majority of the time on this podcast is internships and kind of the beauty of them and how at least I think that internships are literally made to figure out what you want to do what you like and what you don't like exactly but before we get into that let's just first I would love to hear like what what your next step is because your contract or your position is up in December. If anyone is listening who works in politics, who works in conflict resolution, <laughs> Christy, what do you want to do after Hit this? Um, honestly, that's the thing. I feel like the more that I do, the less that I know. And I know that's like a cliche, but genuinely, the more things I try, the less sure I am about what I think this perfect path is for me. And I don't know. I'm definitely open. I want to get more nonprofit experience. And that's kind of why I wanted to step into UNICEF because it is a nonprofit, even though it is like UN also. It's an interesting kind of merge of that. And I'm not really the most humanitarian minded person in politics necessarily. <laughs> not humanitarian minded, but that's not really my interest. Like, right. um, so it's, it's definitely interesting just to get that different perspective. So I'm open to a lot of things. I'm open to working in other nonprofits, like maybe smaller, not necessarily the UN. I'm open to trying other, you know, places in the UN, different agencies, working in the Secretariat. I don't know. Um, I don't really think that I'm going to work in the UN long term. It's not really my, I don't know. I'm, I've leaned more towards US government, which is interesting for me because I never thought that was going to be me. I was always very, I mean, I am very like multilateral, like countries working together um, minded, but 
at the same time, after I interned at the State Department, it really kind of opened my eyes up to that and the change that you can make with bilateral programs of like a government to government or basically next step. I don't know. I'm it's nice because I'm getting like newsletters now inside yeah. UNICEF of like different openings. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I'm looking at things like that. Um, I'm very open. I loved, I entered at a think tank in college and I'd love to work at a think tank again, which is pretty much like a bunch of scholars, very academic kind of setting, um, but trying to translate that into policy. So there's, I think there's a big think tank called um, Council on Foreign Relations. It's in New York. We're manifesting it. <laughs> yeah. We are manifesting it but right again, now. Like, Especially now, I'm young. I moved to New York for the experience of living in New York, not for my exact career path. Of course, it's important to be career focused and, you know, have a direction. But at the same time, like, I don't really want to live every single decision, every single moment of my life for a career. Like, I totally. want to have other... Yeah, I feel like you should follow other impulses or other wishes or pipe dreams that you've always had. That's why I moved to New York without a job and was unemployed for like two months just trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Um, but yeah, so for now especially, I'm not as strict about it. I definitely just want to get more experience working in different places. And if yeah. I could intern or do short-term contracts or whatever for the rest of my life, I think I would because I just love trying everything. Yeah, well maybe like freelancing or something. I don't yeah. know how the freelance world works and like politics and all that stuff, yeah. but I mean... You never if that's know. a thing, go for it. <laughs> I'll be the first one to freelance. Yeah, I'm the first political freelancer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I do see myself going back to DC just because there is a lot more there. Totally. But again, like once I'm more established in my career in the future, like I can do that in five years. You know, I don't yeah. need to be right, right now like hunkering down and doing you know, nose to the ground, right. the most important thing. I don't know. Which reminds me of something that you guys message me about a lot, which is... I'm so confused. I don't know what I want to do. Like, I don't even know what I want to major in in college. I have no idea what sort of career I want. And, like, mm -hmm. I remind have to remind myself about this all the time when it comes to work, when it comes to dating, when it comes to, like, just my life in general mm -hmm. is that I'm 24 years old. And, like, to most people, to me, that sounds really old. Because it's to, all you've ever known. You've only known a length of 24 years. <laughs> exactly. But to everybody else, they're, like, you're an infant. Yeah. Like, you are such a baby. You have so much time to figure out what you want to do. You have so much time to get married, have your dream mm -hmm. career. Like, you're so young. And Kris Jenner didn't even start the whole Kardashian empire till she was, like, 55. Yeah. You know? Like, there's so yeah. much that could happen between also, now like, and 55. Even Kim. Like, I don't think she even started getting in, like, really yeah. famous until she was in her, like, late 20s, early 30s. Mm -hmm. So, like, not that everything goes back to the Kardashians, but like, it does in my house. <laughs> in I, don't, my house. I don't know. It does. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, there's just like so much time for all of that. So I totally, mm -hmm. I totally feel you on that. Mm -hmm. um, now let's take a step back. And I just would love to hear like sort of like the day to day at UNICEF, what actual tasks you're doing for them and kind of like an explanation of your job in case somebody out there has an interest in working in politics and social media or just mm -hmm. social media, like what kind of, what, what it takes to like be successful in that. Right. So day to day, um, it's, I focus a lot more, I mean, especially because it is still, you know, just the first couple weeks. Um, I've just been focusing on Twitter content. So we uh, go through, I'm developing the strategy now that's kind of, kind of look over our Twitter arc for the next few months, at least till the end of when I'm there or into January or whatnot, and develop how like what goals we have. We're not just, you know, they're tweeting cute pictures of kids to like get people to like them. Like it is a lot more than that, which, you know, that is part of it. That's how you engage people. But um, yeah, you have to get them to the Twitter. Right. Um, so we're kind of trying to define more of our target audience and who we want to 
inform with this new learning strategy and education approach and how we want to translate that because it is really technical a lot of the things like i'm reading through this packet i'm trying to make it digestible for the normal average joe right, who like right. doesn't know anything about education policy and is reading these statistics about like in three out of five of unicef's regional countries you know this many kids of this and it's just so complicated so yeah. we're trying to you know make graphics that are that make it more accessible and um kind of how we're approaching twitter step by step in easing it into the content and what it's going to look like for the next few months so i'm mostly doing content pulling together pictures making cards with like slogans on them things like that and then actually like writing tweets pulling together statistics and pulling from the strategy into how we want to relay it to the Got public it. like making all of these political educational things like that are nice and pretty like, for the public. <laughs> in layman's terms. Yes. Yeah. Essentially. That is like, I mean, to me, I am like so bad at politics. Like I try <laughs> so hard to be invested and involved in our political climate. It's much more important to be informed. Mm -hmm. And I just can't think of anything like more important and like empowering than like making these, even if it's education or UNICEF or anything political based, like make it easy to understand for anyone mm -hmm. because for me it's so hard to understand right so and bless you <laughs> thank you well it's definitely tricky not tricky but i will say that the political umbrella is pretty far-reaching like i'm really really invested in international affairs but then people always assume like oh that means i know every single policy platform of every single democratic candidate that's on that stage and debating and like i should have this perfect opinion of american politics and this and that and local and it is so multifaceted that i was talking about it with my friend uh, last weekend who works at usaid which is the u.s agency of international development and we are so invested in the international sector that sometimes like we don't even know everything that's going on in american politics or vice right, versa right. like i know so many people that were working on the hill and i would tell them that i worked at the state department and they're like oh like what is what do you do you know yeah. and it's funny how they can get like siloed like that because it is a lot like it's you a lot. can't put you have to piece by piece kind of you know expose yourself to different things and right. listen to different people's ideas and not get overwhelmed in trying to understand every single right. aspect and facet of politics because it is a lot know, big umbrella <laughs> and you being in politics is one of the reasons why i definitely wanted to have you come be on the podcast he's one of the few people that i know who work in <laughs> politics especially in new york <laughs> and it's so wildly different from what I do. Mm -hmm. Like, it couldn't be more different. I literally make food videos. Like, right. it's so sensitive these days that right. I was just excited to have you come on here and talk and if people have questions or whatever. Like, it's just such an interesting space to be in right now. Right, and I even feel that with, you know, being on YouTube at the same time, I feel like it's so different and so separate from that. And like, when I was in school and everything, I went to a college in Southern California where their big thing was a film school. Like my right. school, Chapman, was known for film. It wasn't known for their, you know, giant political science program by right. any means. And so people would always assume like, oh, you make YouTube videos and you're in college, you must be studying like PR and ad or like film or something like that. And so even for people in my own life, they're like, that's so different and out there. But it's always just been my passion since I was young. Like I honestly couldn't pinpoint it to one particular moment or one particular thing that happened. But I've always just thought... I was never that kid that was like, oh, I like to draw. I want to be an artist. I was, right. I was that kid that was like, I want to make the biggest giant footprint on this world. I want to be the oh first female president. That like at so age cute. eight. <laughs> that's yeah. so cute. But then I learned very quickly I did not want to run a political campaign. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that was a... Oh, that's so crazy because like for me as a kid, like I remember, I remember specifically. Really? There was this episode of Hannah Montana. <laughs> 
Okay? Wait, and Hannah Montana goes to a school and, like, reads a book and, like, sings a song for these kids. And she, like, messes up somehow and she says to this one kid, like, I bet your mommy and daddy tell you that you're going to be president. And then she was like, raise your hand if your mom and dad tell you you're going to be president. And they all raise their hands. And she's like, see, not all of you can be president. Oh, yeah, and they all cry. And they all cry. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I literally remember. Me as a child. I remember watching that as, like, an 11-year-old being like, who the fuck would want to be president? <laughs> I literally was like, what kid dreams of being president? So like, I, it just never crossed my mind yeah. as something that I would ever want to be. And plus, it was it was never, like, my family's thing either. Like, my parents were never the type to push me in a certain direction or, like, tell me that was a good idea or not in terms of, like, what I wanted to do with my life or career or anything like that, um, which I really appreciated. And so... Like, I had one of my supervisors at the State Department was like, oh, so are you here because, like, your parents are in politics? Like, I guess that's something he had heard before. And I was like, no, actually, like, my parents are very much private sector through and through. Like, my dad's an entrepreneur. He, like, when I was in high school, I was about to, I was applying to colleges. And my dad goes, you know, what if you just, like, do college later? Like, you have this YouTube thing going. You're, like, making a lot of money. Like, you could just capitalize on this now. Like, you can always go back to college. And I was like, no, dad, you're throwing away my dream. Yeah. My mom's the same way. She was never like, don't go to college, but she was like, she's yeah. always like, Jordan, what are your analytics this month? And I'm like, I don't know, mom. I have too it's many so things cute. to do. She's but like, it's so how, is it, how are your subscribers? I'm like, the same <laughs> as they always <laughs> are. different, mom. <laughs> yeah, that's so cute. But that's what I really appreciate is my parents have always been like my number one supporters, always cheering me on and never trying to direct my life in a certain way. And I think it's because like mostly they've brought me up in the way that they trust that I can, you know, hold my own and figure out like what is working and I'm not just like living head in the clouds. Yeah. Um, but really that's just been my path for a long time and I really just don't remember why I wanted to do politics. But right. I, I knew when I was applying to colleges, like I'm going to major in political science. Like that was just a given. And I, which is funny because looking back, like my number one priority when I was looking at colleges was like, where is my YouTube career going to be like the most optimal? And so I like Southern put, California. yeah, I was dead like, set on Southern California. Fun. Yeah. Fun very fun. I mean, um, I went to Syracuse and my number one thing is I'm like, why did I pick somewhere that was so cold and gloomy <laughs> and boring? Like, I should have gone to school in California. But it's funny because we all, I feel like looking back at our 18-year-old selves, we're like, what the hell were you thinking? Like, what were your right, priorities? Like, why? Why Syracuse? <laughs> well, I mean, I know why. Because it was, like, new house and, like, communications. And, like, yeah. I wanted to be a producer and, like... That See, was but that's, that's smart because you knew that that would be optimal for your career. Yeah. But I looked at Chapman and I was like, oh yeah, like the smallest political science department, like nothing. Okay, But perfect. you looked at your happiness, whereas I was like, right. maybe Syracuse wouldn't be like, my mom was like, are you sure you want to go to Syracuse? Like it's, really? it's like cold and you get really <laughs> bad. Deal. You get like seasonal depression. And I was like, I'm going to Syracuse. I'm going to the new house. Like, and you did, and look at you now. Yeah. See, and now, I'm, in, and now I'm still in the gloomy weather in yeah. New York City, but it's okay. Slightly further south, though. It's okay. Closer to the equator than yes. Syracuse. In a few years, I'll be living it up in LA. And I'll See, be, there you go. And I'll be in the sun, on the beach. And you already Malibu. know. Perfect. It will be. Okay. So, yeah. So, obviously, you went to Chapman. You studied political science. Mm -hmm. Now, let's sort of get into your journey of internships and grad school. Did you intern at all when you were undergrad? Actually, no. And I think that's something that... I regret the most is really, I don't know, I think it's because I was in such a unique position with YouTube where when I graduated high school, like I was pretty much like the height of my YouTube career and I was like making a substantial amount of money from it and that was like my main priority and I feel like because I had that short term, 
you know, I have this thing that like when I invest time in this, I get money from it. Right. And so it's so much harder to be, tell yourself like, okay, but if you invest time in doing an unpaid internship with, I don't know, but again, being in Southern California, there wasn't really organizations that I was like that excited about to get right. experience from. I didn't want to work in like local government or, um, I don't know, like Democrats of Orange County or anything yeah. like that. That wasn't my interest. And so I just brushed it off and use YouTube as this kind of like scapegoat to be like, I don't need to be getting experience for this now because I have this thing that right. like... Which, good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. But at the same time, like I wish that I had done that, but that goes back to the whole, why did I choose that school if blah, blah, blah. But again, right. like it all worked out. I made my best friends there. I had such a great experience and I wouldn't trade it for anything, which I think is good. Um, and I got different le lessons from undergrad than you know, my career path and everything like right. that. And I didn't intern and I had no experience. And when I graduated undergrad, I was like, what the hell am I going to do now? I knew that I wanted to go to DC or New York, but I was like, I don't think I'm employable. Like, I don't feel like I'm equipped for a job right. right now. I don't feel like, and not just in the sense that like, there's nothing bulking up my resume, but in the sense that I didn't feel like I was ready. I didn't think that I could like offer anything value added to a company. Um, I wanted to learn more. And I think that's what pushed me to grad school is I knew that I wanted to get experience and internships and all of that. But I knew that I wanted to be somewhere where it was the heart of it. And so right. that's where I decided to look at schools in DC and um, extend my education because I knew that down the line, like eventually I wanted to have a master's degree regardless. So like, why not now? Right. And I just kind of jumped into it. Honestly, I kind of stumbled into it. Like I took the GRE without studying it. And <laughs> that's I, so funny because I would not recommend <laughs> my friend, my friend, Sarah, who was on the podcast, she went to grad school. She went to NYU for right. to be a guidance counselor and she took the GRE, I think, and she didn't study either. Turns out she didn't actually need the GRE to get into the really? program. <laughs> but she was like, but I didn't study. Which oh is so God. funny that you're the second person to say that. But like, maybe you guys should study. Yeah, no, definitely. That's why I'm like, don't take advice from me. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, I didn't prepare for this. And the thing is, I knew I was going to take it. So like, I should have studied, but yeah, and things like that. And but then it worked I was, out. Yeah, it worked. Um, I was writing my essays like three hours before they were due to the graduate school. I didn't have people look over them. Like this is not advice that I would offer up to anyone just because I made it there. I don't know how. And I genuinely didn't believe I got in. I, I remember I got, it was like March. I was feeling so much future anxiety because everything was up in the air and all my friends were like, you know, moving to LA and I knew that I didn't want to be there like California. Like, I loved living in California at the time, but we've talked about it. Like, it's just not my place. Yeah. And so I knew that I wanted to go somewhere else, and I had no idea. I didn't think I was going to have friends anywhere I was going to go, which I didn't, but I made them along the way. But anyway, so I got this email from American that was like, because American's the only school I applied to for grad school. Got it. Um, I was actually really wanted to go to Georgetown because they had a foreign service program. Oh. And I really thought that I wanted to be a foreign service officer at the time, which if you don't know, is like a diplomat from the US that goes and lives in different embassies. Cool. Yeah. That's so, so I mean, cool. that's still maybe on the radar. But I think you should, I think you should go for that. That sounds <laughs> awesome. But it's, it's a whole lifestyle. That's a whole nother yeah. conversation. It's really just uprooting your entire family and moving them to who knows where. You don't really get to say, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, every two years. So I don't know. I worked with some foreign service officers at the State Department and that's kind of where I was like, mm, I don't Maybe know if I no. want this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you never know. You know, the door's still open. The door's cracked a little bit. But I got this email from American University that was like, your admission decision has been posted. Please email us if you have any questions. That's all it said. Yeah. And I was like, I for uh -oh. sure did not get in. I'm That's fine. like the small envelope right, of right. undergrad. Yes. Yeah. It's like, Okay, you know what I don't understand? Yes. In movies, when they hand, like, like oh, your college application, your college acceptance yeah. got here. And it's like, they hand them the small envelope. I'm like, that's a no. Yeah. But then it's a yes. But it's always a yes, right. And um, 
yeah, so I had already, when I was applying to undergrad, I had already gotten that no letter for my dream school because I wanted to go what to USC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which again, I don't think I would have belonged there at all. Like, I'm glad that I didn't. Yeah. And you know, at Olivia Jade, thanks for taking my spot. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this was like shame. 10 years ago. <laughs> I love it. Actually, my brother goes to USC and he's really? in the same year as Olivia oh, that's Jade. Funny. And last parents weekend, last year when I went for parents weekend, I saw her on campus. Really? It was right before the scandal. Wow. Yeah. The scandal really shook everyone yeah um but yeah so i basically blah 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 this is a lot of extra information you don't need but i was having these flashbacks of when i didn't get into my dream school Mm. for undergrad and i was like i'm not gonna and i literally went a whole week i didn't tell anyone (gasps) that i got in this email i didn't click the damn link i didn't click it and i went this whole week so not depressed but just like what is going on what am i going to do and i had before that i had taken the foreign service officer test you have to take this intense test to like be a diplomat and i failed it obviously i was like 21 that's the minimum age to even take it (laughs) and so i had failed that this is on my senior year of college and then i had applied for an internship at the state department for the summer after school and i had just gotten denied from that oh and i was just like another hit yeah i was like no like hands up white flag i'm not opening this get this call that's from a dc number and i just let them leave a message because i always get telemarketing they were like hello have you looked at your application (laughs) status it was this lady she's like welcome to american university like we're so happy to have you please you know submit this form that tells us that you're coming here blah 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 and so i was like what like i was so caught off guard a week later and i opened the thing and then it's this cheesy like (gasps) congrats And I'm I, so like, sad that you didn't get to experience that just like the day of. I'm sorry that you put yourself through all that anxiety. But it was anxiety. honestly more magical to like hear that on the phone and hear yeah. from someone's voice It's kind like of when Mickey Mouse calls you when you're at exactly. Disney World. Yes, it was like that. So I was so excited because I had been, that was like the low of my confidence. Like I already felt so, like the most insecure I've been in my life, I feel like is intellectually, like I like okay. not feeling smart enough in a sense. Yeah. And especially at that point, like being denied back and back and back and it just kept hitting me and I was like, I'm not qualified for anything. I'm not smart enough for this. It's that imposter syndrome where, you know, I, sure I had a lot to learn and I still do, but like, I just been so down on my confidence and getting that call just like gave me that flutter of hope again. And I was like, maybe I can do this. Like maybe I can fucking move to DC by myself and go to grad school and be a master of whatever this is. And another thing that like, I didn't even, I don't know, but I was just so caught off guard by that. And then suddenly I had this like, plan that I was moving to DC right and um didn't know anyone there and then it was all happening really fast and then I was there so yeah I can only imagine like feeling like you're not smart enough in the political world like it just filled with like so many intellectual intelligent people like Mm -hmm. not saying that you aren't because you obviously are but like I I would be the same exact way I would be like there is no way I can do this like and it was really hard that's what I really, really loved about grad school is like people ask me all the time, like, oh, was it rough? Like grad school, yikes. And honestly, I genuinely loved my experience because I came out of it so much more confident in my abilities and so much more just I felt like I had value added in the conversation. And I remember starting classes there like it was really intimidating. And I felt like the youngest person, the least qualified, you know, the least smart person in this room. But honestly, in life, what I've learned is if you feel like the smartest person in the room, you need to challenge yourself more and you need to find a bigger room. And you need to be around people that inspire you. And I had all of these people in these classes that were so different from me from all over the country. And Chapman is like, it was more diverse than my small town, but not a diverse school by any means of, you know, it was a lot of like privileged 
upper yeah. class kids who could afford a private school like that. And I mean, I got a scholarship, but anyway, besides the point. And so being in this new environment at American and just having these people who I did feel like were smarter than me, but I wasn't afraid of it. Like I took it on as a challenge yeah. in the beginning of my classes. Like, yeah, I was terrified. And I had this one professor in the beginning who was so intense and he, he would kind of cold call. It wasn't like law school movies where people would just be like, yo, you recite this entire oh, case. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was more relaxed than that, but he was still like really intense. He was also a senior advisor to the UN at the time. He's like, yeah, on the first day, he's like, I'm not going to come in on the 31st because I'm presenting to the UN, but like blah, 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 this. And that's what I loved about American as a grad school for what I was studying. It's also like a lot more focused on IR international relations. Um, I was in the School of International Service and you just feel the energy there and all the professors are so much more passionate. I don't want to like down on Chapman because I chose to go there and like right. it's not a big but it, program. But it's, it's, it's different. It's, it's totally different. In yeah. DC versus Southern California. Yeah, like exactly. Like, and your environment makes a DC big difference. DC is like the heart of all politics. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, so it was sense. so motivating for me. And yeah, the first day sitting in class, I like didn't say a word for like the first few weeks of class because I was so afraid of sounding stupid compared to all of these people who had like people who had been, you know, in Afghanistan for 10 years and then came back and got their master's or people who had been working. And I was one of the youngest people, like very few people actually went to grad school straight out of undergrad. And it was intimidating. But honestly, I... I'm so glad that I did it when I did because I needed to expand my mind more and be around more people that just offer different perspectives and a different way for me to learn and just being immersed in it. And really, that's what motivated me. And then finally, later on, I actually got internships in grad school right. in DC in places that I actually would want to work. Right. And um, yeah, I definitely wish that I had done that earlier because... I don't know, like I said, like I would intern for the rest of my life if I could because I love getting a taste of just what every place is like. And yeah. there's so much you can learn and take from each place, not even to develop your career, but just to develop yourself as a person. Yeah. Um, and so I interned at a think tank the first semester of my second year of grad school. And I did digital communications there, which is a little okay. closely to what I'm doing now. Yeah. And I think I got that because like I had experience with YouTube. Right. So that was a good foot in the door. And then I interned at the State Department this past spring, which that was like the ultimate, like what I had wanted, what I had gotten denied from my senior year of college. It was like a full circle thing for me. Um, and I'm really, really glad that I did that. And it just gave me so much more confidence in myself and in what I knew and what I could bring to the table and these conversations that we're having. And um, yeah, it was a great experience. So I'm glad that I went to grad school when I did and now I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> so very quickly before we get into the Q&A, I would just love to get like a little bit of an insight on how you got your current job, how you got connected with UNICEF, how that all happened for you. Yeah. So I wish I had some like cool trick or something to offer that's actually like, oh, this is how you need to network with these people to get it. But I legitimately went on the website like UNDP is where yeah. they post their jobs, even though it's not in UNDP. Um, and applied directly to that's UNICEF amazing. online. And that's where they have a lot of like short-term positions and things like that, contracts that come up. Um, and I just applied directly and then got, a, I think it took like a couple weeks and then I got a call from someone that was like, hey, we'd love to like talk to you on the phone. So I did an interview and then I did kind of like a social media test with them to see how like my style fit with theirs. And then I got it. That's so. amazing though. Like applying in the black hole is like one of the scariest things ever, but like good for you for standing out and... And that's how, that. that's how I've gotten everything. Like, I, 
I haven't really used connections, so I feel like that's not... I don't know. I, I know that connections no. are obviously amazing, Connections but are great, but also sometimes you don't have one, and you have to just apply to the black hole. Like, what right. do you think made you stand out? Um, probably having the experience with YouTube and having social media experience because like when you look at it on paper it is nine years of building a personal brand right. and creating content with companies and brands and you know trying to cater to different audiences um so yeah it is value added in that sense even though that's not really what I want to do in the future right um but I and I also feel like having like the mix of like politics and social media is so rare and like yeah. so niche that like you're probably like one in Right. So few people who have both of those interests and experience, like heavy experience with both. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I applied directly to their website. And then when I applied to the Wilson Center, which is the think tank I interned at, um, I applied directly on the website. And the next day, the woman who became my supervisor just emailed me and was like, hey, can we talk on the phone? And I was like, okay. And then I got it. Yeah. And then the State Department is its own, like, very um, strict application process, at least for internships where you have to follow their format and you apply to like two different bureaus it, and then they'll it. contact you. Yeah. If you're interested, I have a whole video on my YouTube channel Oh yeah, where I talked out. about, yeah, I did a whole video about my experience at the State Department applying because when I was there, I actually got to um, interview and screen interns myself. So I got to see like what it was like on that side and yeah. what they had been looking for and everything. So that was good hindsight to have. Yeah. Definitely go watch that video if you're interested. That sounds yeah, I would highly recommend. Okay, perfect. All right. So now we will get into the Q&A. You guys asked some really, really good questions. Actually, a bunch. So let's get right into it. Hit me with your best shot. Okay, let's see. Okay, at what point did you know international relations was something you wanted to pursue? Okay, so actually we kind of went over this, but not really. So when I went into undergrad, like I said, I majored in political science. And then what I learned in undergrad was that Chapman had this program called Peace Studies, which I have to say it like that because people think I'm saying peace studies, which I did not study. <laughs> peace yeah. studies. Um, so I actually took a intro to peace studies course that's what's great about liberal arts education. I feel like a lot of people like talk down on it because they're like, what's the point of me taking this like writing class? Um, but really it could open your, up your eyes to things that you didn't even know you were interested in. So I took that and I took an IR class and I was just like, yes, like this is what I want to do. I'm so much more interested in how the US interacts in the foreign policy of other countries rather than like a political campaign for, you know, Senate. Like that's not really my jam. Right. And um yeah, I just took different classes in undergrad. And even if you don't think something is right for you, like you never know until you try it. And that's kind of my philosophy of life is just like throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, yeah. like try everything, you know, try it once and you never know, it could just be the right thing for you. And that's, I just took different classes like outside of my immediate core ones um, and learned that that's like the path I wanted to take. And then doing peace studies more, um, I learned that it's so much more than that. And I became really fascinated in conflict specifically because when you hear peace studies, it sounds like very hippy dippy, like yeah. we should all be one and no war, but that's really not it at all because there's really no such thing as a peaceful society. It's really studying conflicts and like right. how they happen and the psychology behind you know, tribalism and why people, you know, and I just found it fascinating because I thought that it really aligned with my philosophy of life. Like I'm always adapting and changing myself and conflict is really like how the world is adapting and changing and how people, you know, come together and think, even if it's violent and bad, like they're thinking we need to develop our society to be better like that. Right. And we need to overthrow this terrible leader. You know, the American Revolution wouldn't have happened if there wasn't conflict. Right. And we wouldn't be here today in democracy. And it might be a failing experiment, but that's another podcast. <laughs> you know what? That's, that's <laughs> not for 
this one. That's not for this podcast. Okay. Yeah. Next question. What's it like working in politics not in D.C.? I work on the Hill, but IDK if I want to be in D.C. long term. Hmm. Again, I feel like I just have such a narrow perspective on this because I've only been at UNICEF and I've only been there for three weeks. Right. So it's different just because D.C. I feel like... I actually read this article my friend sent me that was like how all different cities across the U.S. are motivated. And D.C. is like it was written about how D.C. is motivated by networks and connections. And like that's very much the culture of D.C. It's like, oh, well, who do you know? Like this person, blah, blah, blah. But New York... Well, I mean, this is kind of irrelevant, but New York, it said it was, like, motivated by money. Like, people want to, like... Mm, interesting. Accumulate. Yeah, you'd have to read it. But besides the point, um, it's just a different energy. Like, I love New York because it's not that, like, eat, sleep, breathe connections, like, always trying to climb to, like, make it to this. And Yeah. I mean, it is in its own way, but it's also just, like, everyone pursuing their dreams that are so much more vast than that. Right. So, I always have this... Yes this comparison and I always think about this like I love LA so much because I want to be in entertainment I want to be like I see myself living this big life in like entertainment in Hollywood and LA Mm -hmm. and the difference between New York and LA which I feel is exactly the same as New York and DC is that in LA it's everyone works in entertainment no matter who you are no matter what you do you're invested in entertainment somehow like 100%. It's the same in DC. Like you're totally invested in politics probably to some extent mm-hmm. if you live in DC and like work. Like the majority of people are in politics, the majority of people are in entertainment. Whereas in New York, there's politics, there's entertainment, there's law, there's finance, there's everything. Like, right. A there's whole so hodgepodge. there's so many pockets of things in New York that you automatically find people who are interested in things beyond what you're interested in, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why I love living here because sure, I work in entertainment, but I'm also friends with who work in music, who work in fashion. Like mm-hmm. there's so many elements that are so um what's the word? Like so Variation. heavy populate, like so mm. heavily populated, like so many people work in fashion here. So many people work in politics here. Like because there's just so many people. Period. <laughs> exactly. So like, it, yeah, I feel like it gives you a more work life balance because like not everything you do outside of work also has to do yes. with what you do at work. Exactly. I would definitely agree with that. Okay. Shall we go on to the next question? We shall. Okay. Do you ever want to get a PhD? I get this question a lot actually, um, and it's funny because. I do think that I am a very academically minded person. Like I could argue about theoretical situations for hours with people, which is Mm -hmm. why I liked working in a think tank. But I don't know that I would get a PhD because I don't necessarily want to work in academia. Like I feel like in this field, it's more so you get a PhD if you want to be a professor and a researcher, which I totally respect them. And like, I'm, I could see myself doing it one day, but I definitely don't think it's in the cards right now. But again, keep all doors, all doors should remain open. Um, Any advice for time management in grad school? Oh my God. Um, My time management was something else. It was very, very tough because not only... I feel like everyone in grad school, like an undergrad, your entire life is being a college student. But in grad school, like people are working at the same time. I was working full-time at the State Department, going to grad school, doing my thesis, doing YouTube, editing videos until like 2 a.m. and trying to hang out with friends and like work out and have a social life and meal prep and all of these things that were just pulling me in a million directions. And I think... You know, you just have to have priorities. And instead of saying, I don't have time to do something, you just have to say, say it like it is. Like, this is not a priority to me. And if you think of it that way, you will make time for the things that are important to you. And you will find that balance. And for me, I lost a lot of sleep. Um, But at the same time, you really do have to think like, 
not in the sense that it's unhealthy, like you have to push yourself, but it is temporary. And you know, you will finish grad school and just try and give your all as much as you can to balancing what you can in those two years or one year, or however long your program yeah. is. Um, okay, we're gonna do one more question. Let me just pick a good one. Did we cover a lot um, of the Yeah, we covered already? a lot. Good. That means um, we're on track for yeah. what you guys wanted to hear. Okay, so I know you said you didn't do like a ton of networking to get your jobs, but do you have any networking tips for the political field specifically? Um, I don't know. I just feel like I don't have good advice on this because I'm someone who just sucks at networking. Like I'm not that person that's gonna like, you know, be like, oh, let me get your card. Like I'd love to just get coffee and pick your brain. Like I just, I don't know why. It's really hard. It is. It is really hard. And I also feel like, politics like I said it's a big umbrella so like uh like working on the hill that's a whole nother beast that I don't even know anything about because I don't have any interest in it um but yeah I would just say like having a genuine interest just think about why I don't know when you look at networking for me I think you should just be genuinely interested in these people in their stories in how they got there rather than what they can give you like I think right you need to go into it not having expectations, but just making genuine connections with people because that's yes. what's going to make them want to help you later on, you know? Like, yeah. it's it's going to come from a place of, oh, this person really is in, invested in this and wants to learn about it rather than, oh, they just want, like, me to right. give them a reference. And also, I definitely think using your networks that exist with schools, like in the State Department, there were so many people that had gotten their masters from American. Like I was so shocked. I mean, not shocked because it's one of the three like big schools in DC, but it was so interesting just to like talk with them. And I think something to keep in mind is that people are more inclined to help you if they see themselves in you. Like this guy who was on my team, we went to the same school, we had the same program, blah, blah, blah. Like he's much more likely, I feel like, to be someone who would be, hey, I see myself in you. I remember when I was just a wee grad student, like trying to work in the State Department, let me guide you by the hand and that. So really just make use of those networks that exist already with your school, with your sorority, that's yeah. a big one, with just other groups of people that you have things in common with because then they'll see that in you and see that connection as something that they're more inclined to help, whether that's totally. like right or wrong morally, that's just how people work, Yeah. so. Right, totally. I think that's great advice, and I feel the same exact way. Like, you all, you can never go into a networking situation thinking, like, what am I going to get out of this person? You kind of have to go, no expectations, mm -hmm. really try to make a genuine connection with them, and I think that spans across any field. No matter what, if you're connecting with people, they want to be appreciated, they don't want to be used. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter, like, what, if you're in entertainment, if you're in politics, if you're a doctor, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know? Exactly. People are people. Okay! Well, I think that's Is it that for the it? episode. Yeah. Oh my God, we did it. We did it. How do you feel afterwards? You were so nervous. I know. I was so nervous. I still feel like I'm not the most qualified person, but I think that was my a, life. I think that was a great episode, and I think people are going to find it super useful. Mm -hmm. If you did like this episode and you want to reach out to Christy, obviously you can follow her on Instagram. You can follow her on YouTube. I'm sure she would be happy to answer any questions you have regarding her political career and politics or Always. a career in politics or grad school or anything like that. Um, if you have any specific questions for me or have someone you want to hear on the podcast, follow at Bitchwork Podcast or message me at Jordan Rebecca on Instagram and leave a review in the podcast store because I love reading your reviews. Yay. And that's it. Woo! So excited. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. I hope you guys just remember we're all just faking it. No one knows what's going on. I have no idea where I'll be after December 31st. So here's to that. We are all just <laughs> faking it till we make it. Yes. And with that, we bid you adieu. Goodbye. Goodbye, guys. Have a great day. Hope you enjoyed. Peace.